Welcome to This Game Where, the only podcast guaranteed to give you a one-up. This is Chris, oh, and over no. there is... <laughs> what? Oh, that is so crude. <laughs> crude? You're a bad man. Uh, How's that crude? My name's Ashley, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Oh. I, Do you mean crude? The only one, the only podcast guaranteed to give you a one-up. Yeah. Are you are you telling me that you don't that you're completely naive of what's insinuated by that? So I've run out of kind of like intros that are to do with like hardware or like game things. So now I'm going for like tropes. Like last week's, so I did uh, don't shoot the red barrels before because that's like a you know nudge nudge wink wink thing. I'm now going for one up has been extra life. I don't see any problem with that. Okay, I mean, why it, it sounds disgusting to me, but. You know, that maybe is just me. However, it's also the best. It's the best one of those that you've done ever. So uh, congratulations oh, on good. that. Take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. What's crude about that? Oh, come on. Do you mean like one, one the up? The only podcast guaranteed to give you a one up. I, I don't see a problem stuff. at I, all. You forget that I've known you for 10 years. I, I, I know for a fact a that you know what the problem is with that. No, No, sir. Yes, you do. Sorry, if you can, if anybody can hear a dog just having a fit in in my front room, I apologise. I don't know what he's doing. You don't even own a dog, do you? I don't even own a dog, so I don't know what you're hearing. He's currently laid on the floor on his side, and he is going ha ha ha, and and then occasionally poking himself in the face. That's some sort of Star Wars alien. He's an idiot. Is it your aunt's dog you're looking after at the yeah, moment? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm, I offer right. an auntie's dog sitting service only to my aunties. So, although having said that, your I have auntie extended, or only only other two aunties. aunties. Yeah, uh, no, my aunties, but I have extended it right, to other okay. people as well. So, yeah, there you go. Idiot dog making a noise in the background of the podcast that I probably won't be able to. Mushrooms. What were we saying? Oh yeah, you being disgusting. Let's move on. What's the game this week? Okay, so this week it's this game where you romp through the jungle, you meet all manner of animals, and you fling bananas at them. Hmm. So I was thinking that it was Lion King first, and then you mm. said that fling bananas at them, and that's thrown a spanner mm-hmm. in my works. So I'm not sure. Okay, actually, pretty close to the Lion King. It's the game of the Jungle Book. Ah, of course it is, yeah. I've played this, but not for a long time. Which console did you play it on? Uh, I think the Mega Drive. Okay, so I played this on the Game Gear. Um, really? And yes, during oh, my of course, research. Because you were a Game Gear kid, weren't you? I was. You looked well, initially, and then Gear. I was a Mega Drive kid. It oh, came you said that with many... a bit of smarm in your voice, like a bit of like a bit of pride. Yes, initially I was a Game Gear child, and then I turned into a Sega Mega Drive kid. <laughs> I think you're reading far too much into what I'm saying tonight. Mm, I saw the way you said it, so. Smarmy. The visitors don't have the visual. The visitors. The listeners don't have the visual. <laughs> I hope we don't have any visitors. Okay, so it's interesting you put that Mega Drive. It came out on... I think it was the Mega Drive. I think it was. So it came out on the Game Boy, NES, Master System, Mega Drive, SNES, PC and Game Gear. But each version was different to the other versions because of limitations of the technology. Right, okay. Which in cases led to whole levels being different in terms of their design really i'm sure we've had this with another game that we've done so i've talked about sonic 2 before i think on the podcast maybe i just talked about it with yeah, you anecdotally. i know that sonic 2 was very different across the different consoles well sonic 2 i had it on the game gear and mm. it was a port of the master system version because of the screen size of the game gear the very first boss you encounter in the game is in the Game Gear version, is incredibly mm. difficult because it's Robotnik is firing these cannonballs at you and some roll down the hill where you are in this pit and some bounce. On the mass system, you can see enough of where the balls yes. are coming from and you've got enough time to dodge them. On the Game Gear version, you don't have that and it is yeah. so hard and it's the very first boss of the game and I don't know why they didn't just redesign it or anything. But Learning as they go along, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Point, I think. Just as an aside, is Sonic... To the one where you get the hand glider. Yes, and it you're is. Gliding yeah. through. Yeah, I quite yeah. like that because the master. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 This game came out in 1993 alongside a re-release of the film at the cinema. Oh yeah. And so yeah, I, I got nin- stuck on Sonic. <laughs> for a right, moment. No, no, no. I was thinking, you know, the Sonic film didn't come out then. Yeah. 
Okay, so carry on. 2020. Jungle Book. Jungle Book. So the Jungle Book came out originally in 1967, and they then re-released it in cinemas in 1993. And I googled why that was today, and I can't find an answer at all. And I remember it came out of the cinemas because my grandparents took me to see it. So one of the things that Disney was attempting to do, certainly through the 90s, was to, uh, and prior, but they were trying to create a certain amount of cachet around their films. And you might remember that they, and they actually they, they would, using this rhetoric quite recently, the idea of the Disney Vault. Have you heard of the Disney Vault? Nope. So the Disney Vault is supposed to suggest that their films only ever come out on limited release. So if it comes out on on VHS in the 90s, if it came out on VHS, there'd be a limited run. And it was supposed to create a certain amount of hype around the films. And I imagine that the release of Jungle Book back into the cinemas in the 90s was part of that push and then after say nine ten months of being on release on vhs it would go back in the vault right the reason it's been used very recently is because disney plus came out it's been launching around the world and the one of the sales pitches that they were putting out was that the vault was open so (laughs) they the idea was that they were swinging the vault wide open for people to indulge in the disney classics that have been locked away for so long it was a very mm. cynical ploy. Yeah. It worked, though, because it meant that they could charge 20 quid for Beauty and the Beast, and people would clamour for it. Those VHS tapes that you mentioned, they were repurposed recently in the Disney store into handbags. What? Ha- ha- what? They either recycled the VHS covers or they just made packaging, or whatever of handbags yeah. made out of, not packaging the material, was like the, a glossy copy of the front cover of the VHS. I'm sure it was some sort of like really? recycling, upcycling thing. Yeah. Oh, right. So they actually were upcycling. That's interesting. Maybe. Because- I'm possibly misremembering that because it doesn't sound very Disney, does it? But it definitely, the VHS covers were turned into handbags in some capacity. Yeah, so they've merchandised the VHS covers to try and cash in on the n- nostalgia, I would have thought. Yeah, I think The reason so. that I'm quite surprised that that was happening is because the VHSs, they command quite a high price in collector's circles. Do they? You can, yeah. You- oh, man, I binned all mine like about 15 years ago. Oh, dear. Off yeah, they- all ago. I can't remember the prices, but last time me and Hannah looked, they were surprisingly high. So, yeah, VHS, especially Beauty and the Beast, for some reason. I can't remember whether it was tens or hundreds. I wish I could remember. Mm. Beauty and the Beast has quite a lot of nostalgia hype around it. I don't get it personally. It's okay, but it's not... Oh, no, I I really like Beauty and the Beast as a a Mm. film, but we don't need to go into that. I don't want to lose my man points. (laughs) In terms of talking about Disney films on a computer games podcast, I think we're sort of dredging the the barrel of man points, really, anyway. In a way. But anyway, that's probably why it came out, so. Okay. So my grandparents took me to the cinema. They were huge fans of The Jungle Book themselves. They even had the film's soundtrack on vinyl from when it first came out in the 1960s, and they've still got it, which I think Mm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I even got, we went to see it at the cinema and then went to McDonald's afterwards and I got a Happy Meal toy that was Mowgli and it was, it was him in a barrel. And you roll it along and then he pokes out of the barrel and then pokes his head back down again. So the fact they were re-releasing this film at the cinema, even to the extent of getting a merchandise tie-in with McDonald's, I thought was interesting. Yeah, they did this a few times with a few different films. I don't remember any of those coming out like this. No. They did. No. Snow and Snow White was one of them. When Sorry. did that re come out? No, no, it's fine. It's interesting. Uh, in the nineties, I can't remember the year, but it was mm. it was out. It was released in the cinema. So this game was bought by those grandparents that take me to the cinema. It's the same grandparents that bought me Stargate, but I didn't cry when I got this one because I like the Jungle Book. Sickos. So yeah. what? Just out of interest, before we, we go on, what is your view of the film? I really like Jungle Book. Mm. It's got a great soundtrack, swinging soundtrack, in, in fact. It's got a good little story. I don't like the live-action remake that came out a few years ago. That's okay. a bit weird. Are you not a fan, then? I'm probably the strange one in this situation because I don't like the film. I used to when I was a kid, but I rewatched it probably when I was about 20, and it was a drag. I like the music. Really? Yeah, I like the music, but I don't like the film. What was a drag about it? Boring. Just boring. Start to finish. The only well, lively in- bits of the of the musical numbers. I hope you enjoy playing the game a bit then in, in uh, a few minutes. I might. I might like the game. Hopefully I will. The game is going to be very different, isn't it? Presumably. The game is a fairly basic platformer that follows the plot of the film. You've got side-scrolling levels. It's a bit similar to Pitfall. You run, you jump, you throw bananas at animals, you climb mm. up vines. It's pretty bog-standard, really. How does it stack up against, say, Aladdin or Lion King, which are the classic? I don't remember it being as good as either of them. 
Yeah, something. okay, that's interesting. Okay, it's just it's it's a pretty good little platform that I used to enjoy playing. Mm. I did play it fairly recently at the National Video Game Museum in Nottingham, uh, which has that now since no moved long- to Sheffield. Yeah, I was going to say if you say yeah. It's, yeah, interestingly, someone that I used to play rugby with as a teenager did some of the design work in the uh, video games museum. Oh, for people listening and they haven't been, I'd highly recommend visiting. Yeah. It's it's great. They had the this game set up on a Game Gear, so I picked up and started playing it. Couldn't do the first level. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on with this. It's because you're an old man. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Just before I start talking about the game's history, which I read about earlier and was quite interested by the, the story of how this game came about, I just want to tell you as well, it was remade for the Game Boy Advance in 2003 oh. to promote The Jungle Book 2. Right. And we've okay. been we've been tucking into Disney a little bit in this episode already. Now, I'm sure you know about the Straight 2 video Dude, sequels yeah, yeah. that came out in the early 2000s. Have you seen any of them at all? <laughs> Not that I'm going to admit to, no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I actually don't think I have, but I live with someone who is, she's not absolutely, you know, like there are some people that dress up as Disney princesses. She's not quite that level of Disney fanatic, but she's definitely watched some questionable Disney fare. And I imagine that she's probably seen like Mulan 2, Little Mermaid 8, you know, all of, (laughs) all of that dross that they- Was there Mulan 2? Yeah, there was a, there was a 2 everything. There was an everything 2. There was literally everything 2. Home on the Range 2 probably came out. I'm thinking through them in my head and there were a lot and a lot of them seemed to revolve around the spawn of the characters from the original film, didn't they? Yes. I seem to... That was a very strange yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I seem to think I concur. The Little Mermaid sequels were about her and her siblings so her and her sisters and there might even have been some kind of side plot with her mum because you don't find that's one of the things that being old self-aware things wreck it well for something points out that none of them have mothers or they're all orphans in some way i don't my know. theory there's the mermaid having watched it in the last i'm not year sure i so. want to hear your theory on that oh it's not a, not a weird theory not a bad one okay, it's my not theory, a is that, theory is that ursula is her mum why because there's a at one point in the film, she mentions returning to the castle, and she's this, you know, big, powerful female character. I just think there's the her and uh, Neptune had a little dalliance. Interesting. Yeah. Probably wrong. <laughs> mm. Just as again, as an aside, I was reading a little bit about Hans Christian Andersen yesterday, and how it, well, I follow, again, tang- very tangential, and I might have to cut it, but I was, I follow a Twitter account called Whores of Yore. Have you heard of Whores of Yore? No, I haven't heard of that. She's she's but a I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> she's a she's an academic that studies sex through the ages, like a sex historian, or not like a sex historian, a sex historian. I think her real name's Kate Lister, but I might sex have that wrong. Right. She puts out some really interesting stuff all about sex through throughout history and in different cultures and stuff. And occasionally, you'll get little tidbits like this where it's. Uh, talking about Hans Christian Andersen and his approach to love or lack thereof. He was a voracious masturbator, apparently. And he used to mark, every time he masturbated, he used to mark in his diary the date with a pair of asterisks. But he also fell in love with people, like real hard fell in love with people. But it was always unrequited and he actually died a virgin. Is it because he showed them in his diary and they got a bit scared? (laughs) Quite possibly. He, He was very prudish as well thought that sex was right. dirty but for some reason fapping away night and day oh, was expression. fine yeah that it's a very strange story yeah and then he wrote the ugly duck and then the little mermaid yeah that's what i was about to say <laughs> it does i've i've watched again that i probably cut this i'm just saying this for you the one of the uh, best ballets that i've watched was actually by the san francisco ballet company and it was a little mermaid and they had him as a character in the background walking around the story engaging with the story as though he was writing it and fapping well sort of yeah implying that actually the story of the little mermaid was about him and his uh, life um okay. it, it's actually a really good ballet i know you're probably not into ballet but that might change ballet, your mind well but if you're gonna start with one watch that one it's brilliant start with that one so I did want to talk about the history of the game and how it was developed. It's created by a company called Euro. And before we do that, just hang on. I want to be very clear oh, no. in outlining that this is the second time we've recorded this section, <laughs> which is unheard of. We've never had to do this before, but we are recording this a second time because Chris made a massive balls up. <laughs> in, I, I did a boo-boo. In his research. Uh, we'll, we'll explain what it was in a moment. Go on, Chris. So Eurocom 
Eurocom were a British development team who mostly made licensed games uh, in the 90s. Have you heard of the game 40 Winks? Yes, yeah. Yeah, 3D platformer yeah. that was uh, created Play- by them. PlayStation. They did lots of, yeah. Was it N64? No, no, no. It came out on PlayStation. It was that era, it wasn't it? Out play 3D platformy. Yeah. It was good, though. They closed in 2012. So the game was initially programmed by a man called David Perry. So he started up the game, making it and programming it and so on. David, the game was David the game Perry. In David Perry. Hang on. Born 1967. Yeah. That's, that's the one, Irish. yeah. Yeah, David Perry. <laughs> so the aim was to release the game in 1993, but during development, he and most of the team left partway through to form Shiny Entertainment, yeah. which is the company that went on to make Earthworm Jim. Yes, which is brilliant. The game was then finished by Eurocom. So why is it we're re-recording this bit then, actually? <laughs> so Chris came to me this morning, or, or texted me this morning, uh, and told me that he had a really interesting... It, intriguing bit tidbit of uh, information yep. on the development of this his, uh, of this game uh, of the jungle book and the way he put it to me it was amazing because um the first time we recorded this it was about 5 minutes or so of chris chris outlined that david perry made this game and then left halfway through as he's as he's put out for you right now and then he suggested and i didn't know to i didn't know to refute it because i, I didn't really know about david perry but he suggested, and because you assumed I did my research, yeah, and because I assumed, I no, he alluded, he suggested that actually David Perry was a contestant as well as being a game developer, a successful one, it seems. He was also a contestant on the UK's game show Games Master. As soon as he said that, the name started to ring a bell for me because the contestant on Games Master that shares the name Dave Perry, Dave Perry, not David, was a bit of a dick, right. <laughs> you can see my confusion here. So we've got a games developer called David Perry, someone who is was big in the UK game scene called Dave Perry. Tell come everyone on. how I confirmed that they were different people because they look different on Google Images. Yeah, that was the first time. That was the first way. The second way. <laughs> so the first way was well, that man definitely isn't that man. And the second way was check their da- dates of birth, and there's a year between them. <laughs> so. Even then, Chris was insisting that it was the same person. But for anyone that doesn't know about Dave Perry, Dave Perry was um, made made himself quite famous by being a bit of a child when he failed miserably at Super Mario 64's slide level. He tried to do a trick where you drop off the slide and onto the lower section of the slide to try and get the lowest time. Fell off the slide. Clearly just had done it wrong and then proceeded to throw the massivest hissy fit and stormed off offset. So that's Dave Perry. And Chris was telling me that this same man was respo- was responsible for Earthworm Jim and the Jungle Book and Disney's Aladdin on the Mega Drive if you if you've not played that as another classic of the nineties. Thankfully he's wrong. Made by David Perry, not Dave Perry. Who by all accounts, at least as far as I have seen i haven't done that much research so i could be wrong seems fine <laughs> yeah as far as i can tell by my more thorough research i've done in the last 10 he's minutes fine. he seems fine he's fine dave perry however i'll leave you to make your minds up on dave perry he's very very available on youtube far too available on youtube let me say that if you visit his channel games animal don't tv vi- don't uh, visit that- his games animal channel that's what i would say not worth it but there you go Okay, so now we've clarified that, and I'm feeling suitably embarrassed. <laughs> good, good. Do your research. Justifiably. Gordon Bennett. Oh, The names are very doesn't similar. Matter. There's lots of people called Ashley, but that doesn't mean I'm responsible for everything that other Ashleys do. I just thought David, Dave is just like, he's more like that's what he's doing, like his, you know, more casual. Just because your name's Chris, it doesn't mean you're super fast on a bike. It, that's Chris Froome. Everybody knows that. But sometimes I go by the name Chris, sometimes I go by the name Christopher, right. Chris, depending on the situation. And that was what you're I not, thought had happened. You're not that good an architect, are you? <sighs> I don't know. You, I don't know. You're a bad man. You're a bad man. We need to play this game. Let's get stuck into this game. Yeah. Let's Made by David Perry was, of Northern yeah, Ireland. Or Ireland. I can't remember which one. Didn't do my research. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you soon. Hello, if you would like to hear the original version of the Dave Perry debacle that we have had to cut due to Chris's terrible, terrible, terrible research skills, we have included it at the end of the episode, just after the music, so just hold tight at the end and you will find it there. 
Okay, Ashley has put his banana away. We're back in for the second half. I knew you were going to say that, and I still feel sad. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm not sorry know. at all, actually. The whole game is just throwing bananas at people, or yeah. things, animals. It's a bit of running and jumping as well. Seems a bit crass. Basic. A little bit, yeah, it is actually a little bit basic. I was going to talk about that. Okay, we'll talk about them. We haven't actually played the game together, have we? We we have had to go away and do it separately, but that has been technical issues, which we won't yeah. get into. That has been a bit of a blessing in some ways, because I know that you said in the beginning, or in the first half, sorry, that we have several different versions of this game, mm-hmm. like the Mega Drive, the Mass, the Mass System, the NES, the Game Gear, and the Game Gear is the one that you played. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I played the Mass System version, and the Game Gear version, and the Mega Drive version, and the NES version. Well, check you out. I had the chance. Wow. There was a reason for that. I got onto the Game Gear version. Right. Which is the same, pretty much, as the Mass System version, just for the record. They're pretty much the same. Were there any discernible differences? Not really, no. Okay. They both looked they both looked very blurry, because I'd blown mm. them up to be far too large. But they were, for all intents and purposes, the same. And that was not a good thing, because I did not enjoy my time with either of those versions of the game. Okay. Now, you've played it away from me, so I don't yeah. know how it, how it went for you. How did it go for you? Uh, I played it for about half an hour and then binned it off in rage. <laughs> right, okay. Why? So I got to the uh, fifth level, which where there's some water at the bottom of the screen, which mm. looks really nice. I thought the animation on that was lovely, but it was one hit kill. As soon as you fall in the water, you're dead. And I kept falling in the water and kept dying. And used to continues trying to get past that level. Didn't really have the inclination or urge to continue. Okay. To go past and you were playing point, the I mean, Master System version. I was, you? yeah. You were playing the Ma- Yeah, because that was the one that you had access to. They are pretty much the same, yeah. the Game Gear and the Master System. Yeah, it brought back versions. memories, definitely. The, the second level in particular, the Great Tree, where you sort of, which I really like as a level, the way it goes vertically the screen i thought it was very clever yeah um mm. that was a, a very strong memory for me but um it was just quite a frustrating game really it is a very frustrating game there are lots of reasons that it's a very frustrating game i did not get past the first level oh on the game gear and the sega mass system version <laughs> right it is a shocker it's it's really bad. This game is bad. Those versions of the game are bad. What did you find difficult the, then? Well, the imprecision of it, mm-hmm. the fact that they just seem to have slapped together a movement system and gone, well, that'll do. It, it was awful. You can run in the game, but the run in the game is like you just keep moving to the right or the left. Yeah. And then suddenly you'll start, the screen will start moving forward. The animations don't change. The movement doesn't change. It's just that the screen moves faster. Mm. Then if you, you can use that to build up momentum, as you can imagine from all platform games that include a run mechanic, you can, you can build up a bit of momentum. You can clear larger gaps, but the jumping mechanism, the way that he jumps is so sloppy, so bad. <laughs> yeah. So sloppy that. It feels pointless having even started to run Mm. because he he stops on a penny and then launches into the air and you do travel further, but it's, it's just so shonky and so, so rough. I can't think of the opposite of smooth. It's not the right one, is it? It's not smooth. It'll do. It's interesting you said about that because there was a jump in the second level, which I I did really like, but there was a jump where I could make it sometimes and other times I couldn't make it, even though I was doing the exact same approach to it, a bit of a run and then jump. So that does back up what you're saying. Because you weren't building up the momentum. Presumably, yeah, but it Mm. was on a tree branch, which wasn't particularly big. So I'm not really sure how you were supposed to build the momentum. I hated the way it looked. And that is Mm. taking into account the fact that I'd blown it up to be too large. If you discount that, I thought it looked awful. He looked like a cross between Mowgli and E.T. So not brilliant. Mowgli and the animation was, sh- was shocking. The animation was really bad. So bearing all of that in mind, I went... Oh, and also, and this goes across all of the versions of the games. Why are you collecting gems? Because. Yeah, exactly. That is a very 90s platformer thing, isn't it? It's a thing to well, do, Well, what can it? we do with platform- this yeah. platformer? We'll have him collect some gems. Made no sense. When you change the difficulty, it changes the number of gems you have to collect in the level. So I went in at normal difficulty, which meant you had to collect eight gems within in the yes. level. Whereas hard was 12, I think, and then easy was six. By the time I collected mm. eight gems in each level, I was about you know, done with about each done. level. Mm. Yeah. But it reminds me of Little Nemo because it had the same mechanic there, didn't it? The fact that you collected these things and then that was the, the level. 
Yeah. Yes. In Little Nemo, you had to get to the end, didn't you, with the level? You did. Whereas yeah. in this, as soon as you got the eighth gem, not that you found out, as soon as you got the eighth gem, it was just it instantly. You've that's it. Level. So on. it just finished. Yeah. Right. Okay. The, so one of the other things that I didn't like about it, but I only realised this in retrospect. Is that right? Retrospect? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, it's been a slow day. Has it really tarred uh, that much of your brain? <laughs> yeah. Um, in retro, I only I only appreciated this in retrospect, or, or depreciated it. Didn't like it in retrospect. But there's no tying together of the levels with story, and we're talking about a game based on a story, a very well known story. What do you mean? Telling? Well, it doesn't it doesn't have any story in between levels. It doesn't have anything tying one level to the next. The fifth no... level I got to was where you were riding on Baloo's tummy as he went down the river. So he yes, was introduced at that you... point. So it, it's following the progression of the story, but it wasn't explained it... who Baloo was. Is that what your point is? Yes, that right, is okay. what my point is. So, it, yeah, if you know the story of the Jungle Book, if you know the characters, then you're going to follow it along there, and that's fair yeah. enough. But even the NES version of this game, it has those moments in between levels where Baloo or Bagheera or yeah. somebody comes up on screen and tells you a little bit of the story's unfolded, and then it puts you into the level, and there's some context around the level that you put into. I mean, the image of Bagheera that came up on screen in the NES version did look like he was having some issues, but it was at least <laughs> vaguely recognisable as Bagheera. It was vaguely recognisable as Bagheera, and actually, what I appreciated about the NES version, the fact that it looked like a Game Boy game, notwithstanding, mm. Mowgli did actually look like Mowgli mm. whereas as I say in the Mass System version Mowgli looked like a cross between Mowgli and E.T. it was like somebody had seen Mowgli through a fisheye lens and tried to draw him you know it was really bad the NES version I thought did a good a good job of telling the story giving context to what was happening even though you know it was only very loosely but at least it was there at least it was there yeah they weren't just these standalone go collect some stuff in this space yeah it didn't just leave leave you to it if you like mm. and the mega drive version actually is the best of all the ones that i played the mega drive version is quite good actually i really okay. enjoyed the mega drive version so is it comparable to other mega drive disney platforms like aladdin and yeah. lion king really i don't think it's as good but it's far closer to them than the mass the mass system version was and actually if i was going to rank the if i was going to rank them i would put the mass system game gear version at the bottom i'd put the nes second and then i'd put the Ma the mega drive version way way up right. above all of them so what made that one so much better than the others well just everything. considering that it's yeah it, it was it really was everything everything was really pretty everything looked really nice and the animations were fluid the movement was fluid it had all of that context of the story so the storytelling was there one thing that i found strange you couldn't jump on enemies in the mass system version you only you could only kill them with the bananas yeah yeah you could jump on the enemies in the in the mega drive version and that would kill them just talking about the killing the enemies part of it um briefly in the version, the Master System version, you pick up, there's like berries or something that are hanging from trees in the background, which are yeah. collectibles. Could mm. you work out what the purpose of those was? Yeah, you, you, um, so I only know this from the Mega Drive version. Right. But there were, you mean the three little balls that were in, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's like some, like, sort of mangoes or melons weapons. or something. Right. That's, that's what I assumed they were different weapons, but I couldn't figure out how to equip them as, as different weapons. I couldn't figure out. Could you even collect bananas in the Mass System version? Because I spent some time trying to grab, you know, the big bunches of bananas. You have to fire a banana at them in order to unsheath them. Yeah, get stuffed. Right. Unsheathing <laughs> bananas. I, Makes perfect I have sense. no time for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Everything in the Mega Drive version was so clear and it was obvious. Like it, it was intuitive gameplay. They took that and just smeared Vaseline over it, <laughs> both visually and gameplay wise. It was just like obfuscation after obfuscation in the Mass System version it almost felt like they'd they I, I imagine it was the case they just felt like they had to put a version out on the mass system presumably because it was in that period of crossover yeah definitely between the two the two generations so yeah it, the game was easier to play on the mega drive just because those things that i outlined before the the movement issues that i was having on the mass system they just weren't there in the mega drive version it was all very smooth all very nice to play i said about jumping on the enemies and actually that matters because there were enemies in the game that you couldn't jump on and there were enemies that you could because you know like if you've got a porcupine yeah with, spines on his back and i know that sounds ridiculous maybe during that distinction but it does matter because as slight as the game is i was actually playing the lion king game this afternoon on the, on the mega drive yeah. and in the very first level there is a porcupine enemy that you cannot jump on but there yeah. are lizard enemies that you can jump on so yeah it's perfect and it, it makes sense 
it brings a little bit of depth. I know yeah. I, what I was going to say is, I know that it's only very slight, but it brings a little bit of depth as to how you play the game. Yeah, definitely. You know, I can jump on this enemy, I can't jump on this one. And the Mass System version lacked even that. It has so. to be logical. Of, of course you can't jump on a porcupine to kill it. Well, that, that yeah. sentence kind of fell apart as I said it, I suppose. But uh, you know what I mean? There is some degree of consideration there. It made perfect sense to me. It made Good. perfect sense to me. So another thing that I hated about the Mass System version. Oh, blimey. <laughs> game Gear version. Bear in mind, I don't hate the game. I actually quite like the game for what it is, but the Mega Drive version is the one that I like. The Mass System version, it had pits, and I don't mind a, a good old pit, and I know that other games do it this way, but for the most part, the levels weren't anything to do with falling into pits. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the first level, there is just this chasm. Yeah. And if you fall from a height, yeah. you don't know that you've fallen into a chasm. You fall like five stories down and you're dead. Yeah, right, that happens to me chasm. as well. If you play it on the Mega Drive version, a chasm is made, it's made quite clear that chasms are bad because they have these prickly pear trees in the bottom of the chasms so you know first off that the chasms aren't for you to fall into and secondly there isn't this issue of falling into of this blind pit which i really hate i I don't like it when games do that on top of that the mass system version was throwing enemies at me from the edge of the screen so like you know that problem that we've had in games past where they try and surprise the player and sort of cheat them out of part of their life by springing something on them having enemies that are firing things at you but you can actually see them on the screen uh yeah yeah so there were warthogs coming at me off from off screen and from very close up and i didn't appreciate that the mega drive version didn't do that so yeah if you're gonna play this game play it on the mega drive that's what i would say so i've spent probably too long spouting the praises of the mega drive version and deriding the version that you brought for me to play which i apologize for but i'm going to carry on i only brought it as it was just a game i played it wasn't a game i had fond memories of it wasn't a game i hate it was just a game i remember playing so don't feel okay. bad at all okay well that's Not great that i think I that would gonna... help you anyway uh, you you wouldn't care anyway if you were i wouldn't give a shit no i was gonna carry on yeah. <laughs> uh, because the master system version as i said ranks even lower than the nes version which surprised me so what was the so NES good version... about the nes version then so the NES version had movement. That was really what underpinned it. And actually, I felt acrobatic playing the NES version in a way that I didn't with the Mass System version of the Jungle Book. Actually, felt you, you felt were like you were swinging through trees. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really felt like I was in the jungle moving through the trees with some dexterity and skill. And I know that's not how Mowgli starts off, but when you're playing a game, that's what you want to mm. feel, don't you? You don't want to necessarily feel like you fumbling about the point at which in the mass system game gear version you jump onto vines and jump off them it does feel very clunky i agree with that it's really really clunky yeah mm. uh, one thing that i couldn't work out from one version to the next was how the vines actually work because i was getting this swing noise on the mega drive so if i pressed the left and the right buttons it sounded like i was building up momentum on the vines right. but then i didn't seem to be going any higher when i jumped off them oh anyway to elucidate What's going on there? Or? No idea. I have no idea. There, there weren't any no. moving vines on the, the version I played. So I'm... You didn't have any swinging vines? Not on the Master System version, I don't think. So they are in the Master System, because I found one. Really? Yeah, oh, okay. but they yeah they hang down vertically. And then when you hit them, they swing. And you swing from left to oh, right. Completely missed that. Oh, it was easy to miss. That was the other thing, I suppose. <laughs> Apparently so. Just before we move off to about the different versions, did you happen to look at the front covers of each version? The... Master System version and the Mega Drive version I did. What did you notice about them? Probably not what you want to tell me, so... <laughs> okay, so I noticed, which I thought was quite interesting, was that the Master System and Game Gear version, it's this quite cute picture of Mowgli, who's mm. in the foreground, he's got his big smile on his face, and he's holding a, a mango or something. And then in the background, there's like a wooden hut, and a Baloo is dressed up in that, when he you know, pretends to be a, a woman in that very questionable scene in the film, <laughs> and, and Louis. Yeah. Louis, the, you know, this king of the uh, apes who's supposed to be really clever and then soon there's a bear who dressed up with some coconuts and a grass skirt and he's completely swayed but <laughs> let's you know let's, let's not dwell on that and it, it looks very cutesy on the game gear mass system version and then the mega drive version it's this picture of mowgli swinging towards you with this look yeah. of grim determination on his face and he's on his fire and he's i think there's a snake in the background it's very different and it just made me consider how even though it's essentially the same game you're going Marketing. for those different markets aren't you the fact that the mega drive yeah. had that that appeal and mega drive uh, mass system game gear didn't yeah and it's something that we i think really came to the fore sort of uh, moving into the 32-bit era or the 64-bit era between the n64 and the and the playstation we had that idea that and it really really took hold from here onward onwards with people 
of our age, certainly, um, that the Nintendo was for kids and that the PlayStation was an adult console. Definitely. Uh, and I thought that it started there, but actually when you do go back and you look at how the Sega Mega Drive was marketed, it started there. Yeah. I, it really did start 100%. with the Mega Drive and the and the SNES. And that's a perfect example. I hadn't seen that, but it absolutely doesn't surprise me, not one bit, that that is the case. But then it's also interesting to note that we're talking about the Jungle Book because mm. that is the same age group that would be moving from the NES or SNES to the, well, yeah, NES to the Mega Drive or NES to the SNES or or from one generation to the next. That's the same age group that they'd be targeting with, well, the PlayStation is for adults a few years later. You Definitely. Know, that, so Mega Drive kids probably were more inclined towards the PlayStation. Just extrapolating probably too far from, well, from that. Maybe. I, mean, I was going to say, I, I went Mega Drive to PlayStation, so uh, I'm the... You did, did you? Yeah. Right, well, there you go. Yeah, ideal candidate. the proof in the pudding or whatever. Possibly. Yeah. I'm sure there were lots of people that went Mega Drive to PlayStation, though. Yeah, but I went right through the... Nintendo line. I wasn't really interested in the PlayStation. I I played the PlayStation at my friend's house and I had an N64 as soon as I could get one, which wasn't dead soon, but I never bought into that idea of this is for an, this is a grown-up kids uh, console and that one's for babies. Well, the, the PlayStation was one I would in the Bugs Life competition that I've talked about before, so, you know. Yeah, but you probably would have got one anyway. Possibly, yeah. A Bugs Life. I mean, we're talking about how adult it is, but then <laughs> actually you won it with the Bugs Life, how, yeah. which actually is a good game. I, it is a good game. I watched the film uh, last week, actually, for the first time in yeah. probably about 20 years, and it was a lot better than I remember it being. Really? Yeah. Bugs Life has always been... I remember noticing when Pixar were getting quite big in the early noughties with like Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo mm. that you always got, you know, from the studio that brought you Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story that Bugs Life just got completely swept under the carpet. And yeah... Yeah, it, it was a bit bits of the story were a lot broader than I remember it being. That I remembered that Flick was off on his little journey getting the bugs, the the insect circus for a lot longer. Actually, he goes, he gets them, he comes back again straight away, pretty much. Yeah. Things move at an insane clip. Yeah, definitely. With most films. The Jungle Book is actually one that's the same as that. Like, things just happen and then you move on. Mm, Bam, bam. Did you ever watch the live action version from like five, six years ago? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I prefer it. Do you? I know you don't like it. You said, I think you said in the first half Crikey. that you didn't like the li- live action, so I kept quiet. Ah. But yeah, I, I actually, I don't mind it at all. I think that the problem with the Jungle Book is that it's quite slight and the things that happen are quite muted. And if you're watching it and you're really, really not in the right frame of mind for it, it's quite boring and slow. And I like boring and slow. I watch really very slow films. You really do. <laughs> and I still think that the Jungle Book is one of the slowest, ploddiest, most boring, most uneventful, at least uh, certainly of those Disney classic films. But it's got great songs though, so you know. It does have, yeah, it, I, I can't knock the music. I think the music's brilliant. The music uh, in the in the game as well, actually. The music was quite good, although in the first level by about the 10th time I'd heard a, a chip-tune version of uh, where bare necessities, I was starting to lose the will to live a little bit. Yeah, I'm not surprised. To harp on a little bit more, the music in the Mega Drive version is about 10 <laughs> times better. There's a swing to it, like a ja- an actual sort of jazzy swing right. right from the moment that the music starts up get leading into the title screen there is a jazzy swing to the music that was completely lacking from the, the mass system and game gear versions understandably maybe but then it was there in the nes version as well and they were both supposedly on a par at the very least the game gear and the mass system versions they just seem like they were neglected and i don't understand why it's flat they were yeah I think you're probably right. It was just that they were shoveling stuff onto it just to get it out there. But why did they give time to the NES version to polish it up a little bit and not to the mass system? Or maybe, I was going to, it's just occurred to me, maybe they just polished up different bits of it because actually, visually, the NES version, the colours palette in the NES version is so weird. <laughs> so strange. Whereas Sorry. the mass system at least has some realistic mm cartoony colourness to it. Maybe we could blame David Perry, the actual programmer David Perry and not the other. Yeah, not the no, not the Games not Master the celebrity. No. Yeah, maybe we should. Did David Perry, uh, I'm going to ask you this question and you might not know the answer, but did David Perry work on all versions of this game or did he just work on one, did he work on the Master System and the Game Gear? Or? As far as I'm aware, the company were just working on all the versions and he was I don't know if he was helming or just part of the team, but um, mm. and then the fact that he left left the game in limbo somewhat so it had to be pushed back from where it wants uh, from the initial release date Mm, so i don't know so having spent some time saying 
a lot of bad things about this game. One of the things that I did quite enjoy is the you compared to the little Nemo, which I hate. Yep. And <laughs> one of the things I hate about it is the fact that you have to fumble around a level looking for those keys. And if you get to the end of the level and you haven't got all the keys, you have to go rooting around the level again. And yep. that's something that I hated about Toe Jam and L, getting to the end and being told, oh, no, you can't go everything. Go on. <laughs> Off with you. Come back later. I didn't like it. I didn't like that. But in this game, I think that the way that that is implemented is actually better because you never reach the end and get told to go back in. No, it's very contained, isn't it, the levels? And I thought the gems were quite clear as well that yeah. there were a couple of points where I was on a platform and I could see a gem beneath me, for example. So, like, right, I've got mm. to backtrack a little bit and go back and pick up the gem by going down there. And I thought that was quite good, to be fair. And actually, in the Mega Drive version of the, that second level with the tree, where you're navigating up with the tree, there was some nice little sort of... Not very challenging, but challenges <laughs> in terms of where gems were placed. So you'd be on a platform, as you say, and then there'd be a series of maybe two or three vines underneath the platform. Right. But you had to drop down underneath the platform oh, okay, without yeah. falling and, and then work your way across the vines and then you could jump back up. I quite liked that. That whole level was the standout experience for me. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was for me as well in the Game Gear version. Great. So in that in the Game Gear version, do you go into the tree to sort of use it as, as an elevator? As a no, <laughs> there's no elevator no. in the tree in, in that version. I got a bit stuck at the beginning of that level and a little bit frustrated because I couldn't for the life of me figure out where I was supposed to go I'd navigated like two sets of platforms and then just didn't know where to go and there was this big hole in the middle of the tree and I just decided after sort of five minutes of well it wasn't five minutes it was a couple of minutes I tried pressing up on the big hole in the tree and it took me about 20 feet up the tree and I really? appeared out of another hole yeah so that whole level was good right. and then you fight car at the end yeah was, the same on on the mass system game yeah. version I was quite frustrated by that boss on that version because I was shooting bananas at him trying to get him and there was no mm. feedback there was no clue that I was doing the right thing I just no kept doing or anything it. yeah exactly and mm. it made me think about Mario 3 for example or indeed most platformers where there's at least some feedback like maybe the boss flashes or it goes red yeah. or it gets faster or something there's none of that there at all and that was you know I was playing it for a good two two and a half minutes just throwing bananas thinking am I even mm. doing the right thing and then it yeah. finished oh yeah I have done okay great but I did think that was quite poor gameplay yeah well there was a similar thing in a game that I had on the NES um, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York where you get to the end of the first level and these fl suit I think I've talked to you about this before these yeah, suitcases come flying out at you you're in front of two lifts and you can press the button for the lift if you stand up on top of a bin you can reach the lift buttons and press the button and I never understood what was going on with that place and I always used to end up going back tracking through the level to try and figure out how to progress but it turned it turned out that you had to just mash the button on the lift mm. while these suitcases were flying at you and it was completely unintuitive and there was no reason for me to want to do it or to think that that would be the way to progress yeah. and it's exact and there was no feedback that it was working either the, yeah. the lift would bing and the lift wouldn't come and you had to press it about 50 times right and that's no exaggeration so yeah it's a complete oversight in game design and, and lack of feedback for the player because you, you've no idea whether you're doing the right thing and no. that's not good that no. is for, only frustrating so the Mega Drive version does that properly you, you do have some visual feedback you have a flashing snake sounded wrong uh, you have the snake car flashes that sounded wrong too oh to you uh, Sounds oh, perfectly me. fine to so, me. Okay, so car flashes and you know that you've hit him. And there's also actually his head in the top left-hand corner. And as he, every time you hit him, a portion of the colour okay. seeps out of his head. So that's his life bar. That boss, I can imagine, was really, really frustrating even to try and beat in the Master System version. Just because, presuming that he was shooting things out of his yeah. eyes that homed in on you. Oh, no, not in not in the Game Gear Master System. He just he ah. sort of went up from top right to bottom left and shot which these things that came out of his eyes that just sort of went just across went the straight line yeah oh okay so he was saying he came out the top of the screen and then out of the left of the screen but when he shot those things out of his eyes like the hypnosis uh, rings they were all oh, right they would chase after you so you jump over them and instead of just going beyond beyond you and off the screen they would double back and they would try and hit you again and Ooh. you just had to keep well it was it was actually good. It was a good thing. It I, it gave a bit of challenge to something that would have been straightforward, and you had to jump with a little bit of precision to make sure you avoid them before they uh, until they dissipate. It sounds like Hollow Knight. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's that is sort of proto Hollow Knight yeah. type stuff. Yeah, it was good. It, it actually was good. It made a 
what could have been quite a boring straight down the line boss into something more interesting so yeah I can imagine though on the math system if they'd done that I would have been tearing my hair out if I had any so <laughs> and that's probably about it for the jungle but really isn't it yeah I was going to say overall I have very mixed feelings about this game more mixed than I think I've ever had for an episode of the podcast we did start talking about the Game Gear version in the first half haven't we and with the second half we've talked about all the versions really haven't we um, so I think it's fairly clear that we wouldn't recommend the Game Gear math system versions would we particularly no no I I wouldn't recommend that i would burn them i would burn them all it's the only answer if they hadn't already been dug up i'd dig up all those et cartridges and replace them with the jungle book cartridges i'd go home to home around the world and collect up every game gear and mass system version of the jungle book and i would ship them to nevada and have them buried it's quite an endeavor yeah i'm not gonna do it no okay that's all right then if you host I'm just, what I'm trying to do, Chris, for the listener right. is emphasise just how much I disliked right. my time with those versions of the game. Okay, right with you. The Mega Drive version, on the other hand, I would recommend. I would recommend. Yeah. For a rainy Sunday afternoon, I think that would pass the time and you'd quite enjoy yourself. Would you say it's the bare necessities of Jungle Book gameplay? I hated myself as soon as I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I hated you as well, but I hated you long before that, so it's okay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Who would you recommend this game to, like if it was a good game? <laughs> I've put in my notes. The Mega Drive version. It's a standard platformer. It just, it is mm. what it is, isn't it? It's, there are yeah, better platformers, the there are worse platforms. It's just so average. Yeah, it really is. So it would have to be some some level of enthusiast, some nuts. I think, that I would recommend the game to. So if you're if you're someone that is interested in platformers in particular, then you might want to check this out. But it should be at the back of the queue, really, as far as my experience. Yeah, because, as you say, it's just a very straight-down-the-line platformer. So much so that it does makes you do things completely out of context, like collecting gems. I think when, when you've got a platformer that has such a great foundation for building something thematic, like the Jungle Book is, the Jungle Book should be a great foundation for something good, game-wise. And then they just make you collect gems because that's what platformers yeah. do. That's a real big telltale sign to me that they that there's been some lays in the in the in the creation process. It might be interesting in a in a later episode to play through the Game Boy Advance remake of it from two thousand three. Maybe see how that compares. Yes, yeah, I did think that myself. I nearly went for it, but I thought I'd keep it in the nineties. Yeah, you play through you know, four or three versions at that point. It was maybe best to call it a day, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, true, true. So should we call it a day on our podcast there then? On this episode? Yeah, I think Not so. the whole thing. I think. Just to end yeah. this game where they're I don't know how long people can listen to me moan about the Game Gear Mass System version of the Jungle Book. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Keep an eye out for more episodes and we'll see you again soon for some more retro gaming goodness. Bye. Bye. So the history of the game, this was created by a company called Euracom. Have you heard of them before? I have, but I don't know why. They were a British development team who mostly made licensed games. They did make their own games. One of their own games was 40 Winks, which is a 3D yeah, platform I do know for 40 PlayStation Winks, yeah. 1. It was a good little game, that was. Yeah. They closed down in 2012. The game was, I say, created, developed by them. But that was, if I'm being really pernickety, it was finished by them. So initially, the game was programmed by David Perry. Have you heard that name before? No. So David Perry was a programmer who, like I said, was at the helm of this game. And the aim was to release the game in 1993. But partway through, for whatever reason, he left the company with a lot of the development team to form Shiny Entertainment, which is the company that then went on to create Earthworm Jim. Ah, right. Okay. So the game was then finished or picked up by... Yorikom, who finished it off based wow. on the code that he had then put in place himself in the first place. Now, David Perry has 
made quite a few games since then. Earthworm Jim is, is kind of the, the shining jewel in his crown. It's the most famous of his games. Yeah, because it's very well regarded. It is. It's a fantastic Earthworm game. Jim. Definitely one that I want to talk about. And you'd think that if this is the DNA that it shares, if this is the DNA that the Jungle Book game shares, that you might end up actually with a half-decent platformer as you've been saying it is hopefully and maybe that makes me more hopeful. than i remember it mm. so you said you don't know anything about dave perry or david perry um at all not really no okay so he had a, a rep in the mid 90s for being a bit of a was he a lad <sighs> yeah that's a, that's a very good way to phrase it, actually a bit of a lad a 90s a, lad he was linked often with games master yeah up and out doing bits and bobs oh with, no was he the real brash one that was like a contestant on that he was a contestant that stormed times, yes. off. Did he storm off? I think I've seen him storming. Yes, on yeah. the slide level. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him. That's David Perry. Yes, yeah. now I know who David Perry is. He storms off because he falls off the slide. He tries to do some shortcut on the slide yeah. and and bodges it completely, and then storms off and is real mardy. I've never seen anyone act like that. It was ridiculous. So his shtick is wearing a bandana. That's like yes, I remember thing. him. He's right not. now. <laughs> I can you say think, that? Can you think of anyone who looks good wearing a bandana? You, you look real good wearing a bandana. Think I've ever worn a bandana in my life? Not, not in the real world. No, but in my dreams. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so he still wears a bandana as his still. his thing. Yeah, he launched last year maybe the year before a youtube channel called games animal yeah have you heard of this so off the back i was watching that games master episode last year Mm -hmm. and i think i've seen a youtube video of david perry still complaining about the super mario 64 incident and getting really irate about it but i don't know whether that's related to his games animal so it might i've seen that as well it might be on this channel it might not be games animal is a channel he created that's basically a modern update of Games Master, where right. it's him discussing games, talking about games. And being really but, good at them. Mm, in <laughs> It's him talking about games, but still with a lot of the Games Master DNA, which watching them in 2020 Brash. is not good. There was one video where the, the thumbnail on YouTube was a close-up of he, he often has two scantily clad models yeah. just around the side of him, and the thumbnail was a close-up of uh, of them. And it was something about watching them playing a, a biking game. It, it's very 90s lad culture, which I yeah. don't think is good in 2020. In my I opinion. had no idea that he was a developer. I just mm. thought he was a numpty on Games Master. So, I should probably stop saying mean things about David Perry, shouldn't I? Well, it may well be at the end of listening to this, and we'll uh, have a, a problem. We'll see. <laughs> I doubt it. So before we get in real bad trouble then, shall we finish that there and uh, yeah. I'll pass the controller to you to uh, get stuck in? Yeah. Yeah, let's pop Hopefully. the plugs on this first half before we say something really bad. <laughs> See you in a minute. <laughs> 